Hello and welcome to my podcast, Miss Spirituality. Welcome back if you're an old-time listener. Um, I took a little bit of a break. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, But I thought it would be a good time to um, open up the podcast again. I think there's just been a lot going on and a lot's been on my mind. We've had a presidential election. We're managing through covid And I thought it would be a good time to kind of do some self-reflection just in my personal life. And I think with people around me, uh, we've all been doing a bit of self-reflection, but also managing through some kind of difficult topics. And so today I decided to invite one of my good friends to actually help me talk about this. I just feel like we've been chatting a bit about our own personal life and I feel like there's been a lot of um, similarities and I feel like everybody's going through a few things. And I'm actually very excited to have this person on the podcast. I've been asking him to join me for a while. Um, We uh, met a couple years ago, I wanna say about 10 years ago and it was during, I think, probably the most influential time in my spiritual growth. And so just based off of his background and his knowledge, um, I'm really excited to have him on to speak on some subjects. Um, Thank you for joining me today, Kevin. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, So uh, my name's Kevin, and it's nice to finally have a chance to do this. This is something that we've been talking about for a while now and been kind of waiting for a topic that resonated in the right time. And it seems like uh, there's never the right topic or the right time. So we're just jumping in Um, and a little bit of my own background. um, I'm a public school teacher in Chicago, um, so I'm working with a lot of people all the time and Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of sides of how spirituality manifest for a bunch of individuals, what they feel they can say and not say. Um, Personally, I studied interreligious spiritual philosophies, um, primarily from a yogic perspective. Um, I briefly lived in India in an ashram, um, studied inside of a temple, training to be a monk. Um, And that was a really uh, deep philosophy and experience, a deep way of living that really takes uh, these spiritual practices and puts them directly into your life. Um, Because of that, I went and pursued a PhD in holistic education, looking at how to merge the Western pragmatism with that um, Eastern spiritual philosophy, bring it all together, Mm. um, ultimately trying to make the spiritual more approachable. And I think that that's where the two of us really resonate the most is how do we make the spiritual practices, spiritual thinking approachable? How do we bring it to the everyday? Yeah, that's so well put. Um, So I think today's subject, uh, we decided would be about the self and the relationship with ourselves and how we're coping with a lot of things that have been coming up. Um, And one of the biggest topics I've found that was kind of underlining all of it had to do with betrayal of the self. But first I wanted to go into just a little bit more reflection on a spiritual perspective of what the relationship with the self is, what that looks like. Um, You've spent a lot of time, you've lived in a monastic setting, um, which is pretty strict. I think that that's impressive. Uh, So I would like to hear your take on what that means to you and how you feel about that. 
Right. So um, when we're talking about betrayal of self, definitely identifying what the self is is so important. Um, and I think that there are three ways to look at the self. Um, and for verbal use, so we are all on the same page, I would say like there's the little self, which would be the egoic self. Mm -hmm. um, that's the part of you that acknowledges who you are, what you want, what your desires are. Um, it gets you through your daily life. Then there's the higher self. Mm -hmm. That's your conscious, almost speaking down to you. Some people consider the higher self be the attunement with your spirit guides, with your angelic forces, with whatever deities you pray to. Um, it's that attunement to something greater. And then there is the greater self. Um, the greater self is the letting go of the individual self and you become that of all. Some people consider that source, some people consider that the universe, mm. um, but that's the greater self. And that's, that's just that oneness of everything um, so that everything else becomes you. So that, that's, I don't know, that's, that's how I would define self. Yeah, that's well put. Um, so kind of reflecting on that relationship with the self, I think we're, we're during quarantine, I feel like, or just with a lot of turbulence that has been happening, I guess, in the world, we're dealing with a lot of um, interesting aspects of the self that I feel like we aren't able to kind of push down. We're being triggered by the media or just, you know, by other people. Um, our lives have changed dramatically. Um, have you found yourself, how do you find yourself addressing and coping with that? That's such a, like, it's a wild concept. Like, cause the self, I think for a lot of people is like exploding right now. It's doing crazy things. There's like every aspect of the self is just going haywire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe not the greater self that's pretty stable in general, but I mean, in terms of like the egoic self, mm. we're all resituating ourselves. We're all experiencing our emotions that are changing all the time. And no matter what's going on in the world, our emotions are always fluidly moving. Um, we have our thoughts right now going everywhere. So I think the idea of what is the self, who am I? starts to become a real question for a lot of people right now. That idea of what do I want? Where do I want to go? Some people thought they were on a path like this is the path I want. And yeah. then they're laid off and their job changes. And that's not just a couple people. That's like, we're thousands and thousands of people are looking at things where they're like, well, what do I really want? How do I reevaluate this? Absolutely. Um, it, it's a massive time for that. Definitely. I feel like you're absolutely right. It, it does shatter, um, I guess, your foundation of how your life is built when I think everybody's changing so drastically in a short period of time and you're, you know, a lot of people's identity is wrapped up in what they do for a living. And when that is taken away from you, you have two, um, two scenarios that play out. One, you question who you are and what you want. Um, two, you have nothing to lose. So is this an opportunity then to shift your career? And that takes a toll on somebody when they're not sure where to start or if they want to continue moving forward with that. Sure. And like you're saying, like that causes you to reflect inwards now and really start questioning things that maybe you were just accepting in your life. That's a huge thing. And when it comes to the egoic self, there's um, two main cautions in the spiritual path that are usually, there's probably way more than that, but there's two main ones that come to mind now that mm. um, I'm thinking of that really are being challenged here. Um, the egoic self is highly weighed upon by desire and by attachment. Mm. Um, they say that those are two of the main things you need to break to remove yourself from the karmic cycles or from the illusions of Maya, depending on the perspective you're using. Um, but when you have attachment to a job, um, when you have the attachment to your way of living, when you have your attachment to your 
um, place of living, the attachment of those around you, and all of a sudden starts crumbling. Mm. Whether you were attached or not, you didn't choose to let go of that attachment. That attachment let go of you. Right. Now, where is the self? Because you maybe weren't ready and you have to reevaluate and it's uncomfortable. Absolutely. Now from a, this will be an interesting perspective. Um, the idea of letting go and the ego is something that, you know, you do experience when you join monastic life and not feeling comfortable and maybe a dramatic shift in and how you live and what you have available to you, maybe relationships and old comforts. How do you feel that you coped with that then? And have you seen any kind of bleed over into helping you kind of in a similar way now and applying that to your life? The level of joy, peace, and love that a person can experience as a human person I find greatly rest in which portion of the self you're in. If you are merged with the greater self of all of everything, the entire universe tends towards, I'm using the term universe here, spirit, whatever you wanna say, source, I use the term you want, um, but tends towards the nature of barely tipped to the side of peace, joy, and love. So if you merge with the greatest sense of the self, the most expanded oneness of all, um, you're going to tend towards the side of peace, joy, and love. Now, if you step back from that, because it's very hard to get to that state of consciousness right away, it takes a lot of uh, relationship building. I mean, that's what it is, building that relationship. If you tune to the higher self, the higher self lets you step in and out of your daily pain. It lets you listen beyond the ego. It lets you experience something a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, the attachments and the de desires start to shift because it's a much longer perspective as opposed to our small self, which can experience fleeting joys from sensory pleasures, from sensory attachments, um, from engagements in the world, from our daily relationships we build. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to demean those things, but they, they're very fleeting moments. Um, so as you let go of the egoic self, you start to hold on to a greater sense of self and then a greater sense of the self again. And the more you do that, the less pain there is. Unfortunately, as you chip things away from your life, you realize how important they are to you and you just have to kind of sit with that for a little bit and understand where it was. Mm -hmm. I would say that the biggest tip and suggestion I have with that is understanding that sometimes we're fixated on a object, a moment, a person, a situation, and what we're really attached to isn't that. It's something that comes from before that. And if we can get to the source of what we really are holding on to, mm -hmm. if we're really holding on to a memory, if we're really holding on to a dream, really holding on to whatever it is, if we can fulfill that original desire, mm -hmm. if you can fulfill the desire that spawned all these other things that kind of split off into everything else, if you can go to that source desire through meditation, through contemplation, reflection, whatever it is, um, when you find that and you fulfill the desire, the rest of the attachments fall away. They're already fulfilled. Mm -hmm. You met one need and it, everything else that was attached to it just fell. And I, I find that that lightness, being light, oh my gosh, when we feel, you, everyone knows what, feels, knows what it feels like to be heavy, mm -hmm. to have that weight we carry. Mm -hmm. if, if half that weight just dropped because you fulfilled one of those desires, like my gosh, we'd be so thrilled with that. So I think there's a lightness that comes from getting rid of that. Mm -hmm. If you're ready for it, if you keep trying to glue it all back on because you don't have anything else to cling on to, it just hurts. You need to know that there's something else to grab to. And that's why I think the layers of the self are important. That's why you need to keep reaching to that greaterness. Because mm -hmm. otherwise you just feel the pain of the small self getting chipped away. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's well said. Um, I also feel that it's not to undermine each one of these little experiences because it's an interesting situation a lot of people have been put in. And I think that we're being brought to reflect on imbalances in our life. And that includes maybe, um, for instance, maybe the smaller things that are kind of more superficial, like human contact or fleeting pleasure. We're starting to see, and me as an introvert, you know, I could spend a lot of time reflecting and being, you know, in alone with myself and not having that contact. But under the circumstances that we are in, I'm I am appreciating company more or vice versa, where maybe you are just, you know, stuck at home with a lot of people and you don't have that that quiet, self-reflective time. Um, now you're you're understanding the importance of balance of all of those things i think being part of the human world being here in the tangible material we're we're seeing our our imbalances and i feel like it's a good time to reflect on them well this is this is where the betrayal of the self comes in in a lot of ways and that's where this topic becomes so important yeah i feel like what's interesting about what's happening is people are actually seeing where they have compromised themselves and not necessarily just from outwards things, but things that they have chosen for their lives that may not be fulfilling and having to come to terms with where they've fallen short. What do you feel about that? Um, I think it's really interesting to, to kind of bring up some of these little things that we're doing uh, because some of it's not good and some of it's really good. Mm -hmm. um, quick example, I mean, like if you were to look at the idea of lighting some incense because it calms you down or you know you just have a comforting bowl of soup that's not bad that's nice <laughs> you're comforting yourself in a really healthy way mm -hmm. um now to sit there this time <laughs> test those moments because you don't have new people to reach out to you don't have your same you know people around you on a daily basis that can fulfill those social needs so you reach out to people you know and by all means some of those people you know maybe you shouldn't be knowing as well anymore <laughs> Uh, and, you know, it's hard, it's hard to chip that away and let it go because attachment is blinding. But I think that's really important to kind of, here's the thing, we're, we're really facing a lot of our inner selves and this is actually such a beneficial time to be doing that. It's really forcing you to look at the choices you're making, not necessarily even what other people are doing to you or what the world is doing to you, but you're having to face yourself. and you're having to be you know in a small room looking at how you cope with your suffering and we're starting to have to admit to ourselves that maybe you know a bowl of soup is nice and that's very healthy but maybe like you said you know reaching out to people you know nobody's forcing you but we are betraying ourselves we're kind of coping in maybe not the best ways that represent you know who we should be or who we are trying to be that's a really great point and it reminds me of one of the things that again going back to ashram living that were i don't want to say not tolerated most things were tolerated it was just encouraged to always live to your best um there was so much patience to arrive wherever you were going to arrive when you got there mm -hmm. but one thing that I, when i say that i'm going to use the term wasn't tolerated and that it was you needed to move away from this eventually um is excuses mm -hmm. uh, it's very easy right now and I, I know it's hard and we all have our struggles it is very easy to make the excuse of, oh, but I don't know how to do this. Oh, but the world's never been like this. Oh, how am I gonna find a way to fulfill this? Or, mm -hmm. oh, but I can't go see. 
that's cute. You can go ahead and do that as long as you'd like and keep making your excuses of why you can't. Mm -hmm. But if I were to challenge you to instead say, now make up three excuses of why you can do this mm -hmm. and how you would. Or if somebody else came to you and said, but I don't know what to do with this. You would just jump onto Google, search something up, and by all means, you would find solutions to them in no time flat. It's interesting how for somebody we care about, we could quickly go and help them resolve that problem. But sometimes for ourselves, we won't put in that much effort. That's interesting. That's a very interesting point. And I think that does kind of cycle back to the betrayal of the self. And um, perhaps why do you feel like people do this? That's a, that's a really tough one. <laughs> uh, why, why do people do this? I don't know. I mean, I think... And, and the, here's the thing, too. I, I totally agree with you. I think that there are moments where we're finally in such a state of suffering and perhaps learning to uh, change those habits or, or change paths when we're not necessarily at that point of breaking. But right now we're, you know, we're learning that we have to move when it hurts. I love that you bring up habits. Habits is such a big one. I remember um, one of the things that I learned about habits is that um, to have a habit that you're doing, uh, to break that habit, I think it, it takes, it's two or three times the amount of effort. Right. I think it's two times two times the effort, um, well, it could have been three. Anyways, point is that first you have to use the effort to break the habit. Mm. Then you have to create, use the uh, effort again to rebuild a new habit. Uh. And then you have to sustain that habit. So to sit there and say, oh, but I just need to like break this habit. If you don't rebuild a new one, that's you, such a good point. You can't undo it because mm. you didn't make room for it. And if you just try to build a new habit on top of the old habit, it's like building on quicksand. The, the ground is slipping out from under you. Perhaps that's that's a really good point because I feel like it's just such a far leap for some people to have had these habits perhaps for or coping mechanisms for so long, not realizing that's what they're doing is betraying themselves. But perhaps some of the steps that are missing is cultivating things to replace what you're getting rid of. It's a lot of effort. It's, it's a lot of effort and that's where self-care comes in. And that's where, you know, you have to make sure that we are acknowledging the things that we are working on, the things we're not working on and getting those goals and focusing in one area at a time. Mm -hmm. Can't fix everything all at once. Using like a one week, two weeks, you want to give yourself however much time you think you need mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to change this habit. I'm going to work on one habit at a time go easy on yourself. I mean, not even joking, go easy on yourself. And then during that time, nurture what you need. Mm -hmm. Because if it's going to take twice the effort, where are you going to get double the energy? I'm guessing most of us don't even have the basic energy we need. So yeah. to get double that, I mean, you need to do some real self-care, taking care of the self. And maybe the first habit to work on is fixing a couple of self-care routines in so that then you can tackle other ones. And maybe even um, realizing what it is that you're, that is, probably depleting you what behavioral habits are depleting you the most mm. and and identifying them and working on them one by one as opposed to looking at your entire life in yogic philosophy the um in the in patanjali's yoga sutras the first two areas the yamas and niyamas um and i had a fun conversation with a monk once <laughs> who was explaining this to me about why it's uh yamas and niyamas that'd be the things not to do bad behavioral choices in a way mm. and then the things to do and he always thought well this is even so pessimistic why are we starting with the negative mm. um and eventually over years he said he realized that you need to remove certain bad things so there's room for the good things. And that's a great point that maybe the first thing to do isn't choosing to build in those positive habits. It's to say which habits 
can I start to, to alleviate so that I have the energy freed up, so I have space freed sure. up in my life. And then, you know, I guess from where you're identifying those habits, you find something to replace it that's comparable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also really good to know that it's good to have a team. It's good to have people, if you have that luxury, to support you and understanding that you know, right now it's very difficult for a lot of people. We're all going through some emotional things. People are leaving our lives for one reason or another. I feel like tensions are very high. Um, like we said, just overall within your life, there are so many areas that things could be shifting, but taking it easy on yourself. But that I think you bring up a really good point is that we can't take it so easy that we're not doing anything about it. So we do need to find and utilize tools to help us because sometimes we don't have what we need and maybe we can find external assistance. So they call that, um, it's a brief story, um, they call that Maya. Maya would be considered the great illusion. This is going from Hindu philosophy. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I was trained, I was trained under like a ton of religions around the world. So I pull from all of them. Um, Mm -hmm. I look at the crossover. So in Maya, um, there's a story about the... Uh, it comes from Krishna and um, the idea of the, there being a river, mm-hmm. that you're constantly in this downflowing path of this river. Sure. Um, and the downflowing path is unfortunately where our lives move. It's an energy current in this world where our physical senses are always looking outward. And so since we're always pulling from our outward senses in the world, um, our desire is to reach outward to find things and unfortunately that becomes very depleting. Mm-hmm. Um, so to take on the spiritual path to do this work is an upstream battle. If you're doing nothing, you floating downstream. <laughs> um, what so, did they say? Only dead fish go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, don't die like a fish and go with the, go the other way. Uh, don't do that. Um, so yeah, so that's the thing is that that's where um, Krishna then in this story would uh, offer help to his devotees to aid them moving back up the river because one then realizes no matter how much effort they put in on their own, mm-hmm. ultimately becomes depleting over time. Um, and that's where these spiritual practices, I think, can be quite wonderful. And where t- tuning into the higher self can be wonderful. Because when you tune into the higher self, you can overcome those physical needs. Um, the reason why that works, the reason why it works is because we said the depletion comes from Maya, which is the senses going outward, your five physical senses, sight, mm-hmm. sound, taste, touch. Um, these are all looking outward. But when you go to the higher self, you're pulling inward. The energy reverses directions and actually recharges you. And that recharging of the entire self, the holistic sense of self is amazing. Um, that's where you find that courage and that strength that's connecting to those spirit guides. In this case, we were talking about Krishna, but this could be any sort of um, angels or Catholic saints or um, deities or whatever, whoever you choose. Um, and whoever you're connecting to, having that connection to them helps pull you forward where you're feeling depleted here in this physical world. Yeah. I mean, the world has some nice things to it, but it can also be definitely depleting especially if you're an empath and you're a giver and you're like in your case you're a teacher you're dealing with a lot of people um i guess this is also a really great way to identify things that you do need to change i guess that's a very important thing i mean it's not so much about having to tailor your life to be exactly you know cookie cutter like how you see everybody else's everybody has their own path But when you're starting to identify things in your life that start to drain you, that is actually preventing you from actually being your fullest, 
and pursuing the things that do matter to you those are the things you need to pay attention to and reevaluate and utilize perhaps some of these skills to kind of learn to either replace them or get support just getting rid of them altogether right i think this seems like a good segue into like figuring out what betrayal isn't really talking about that nature of betrayal because i think that this is where we start lying to ourselves Mm -hmm. we start believing things that we know aren't true um and i think that this is where we start to justify habits we don't necessarily need uh it's very easy to do i myself am still even guilty of doing this from time to time i think everybody is and i guess we should identify what betrayal really is and also look at perhaps why we we do it and you know why we've i guess coped with things the way that we do that winds up being self i guess self harming as opposed to promoting or empowering. So one type of betrayal that um, the two of us have talked about with each other quite a bit has been about what it means to be a spiritual person. I think that's a great, great topic. That is one of the (laughs) ultimate betrayals that, I mean, if you're listening to this, like y'all do win this sometimes. It's a thing. I teach in the inner city, so um, sorry, I, my language switches back and forth between inner city to like <laughs> not. And anyways, point is that the 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 idea of of being spiritual. Um, can you start talking? Because I know you're very passionate about this, and I'll fill in as well. But like, sure. I think that um, in my perspective, I have a little bit less of a disciplined spirituality than you do, Kevin. Um, But we both have the same amount of, I think, devotion and the same amount of intensity when it comes to our spiritual paths. And to me, spirituality really leads you back to your truer self. You're embodying um, who you need to be in this world. You're embodying all of your truest nature and it brings you back to your inner world as opposed to takes you further away from who you feel you want to embody in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. That's just the simplest way I'll put it. For me, that's how it is. And so for me, that does switch. I'm not, I guess, committed to a dogma, but I do respect many spiritual practices because I find that they're so helpful. They're very enlightened. There's a lot of things that work for many people, but I, for me in particular, I don't think it's one size fits all. And being able to adapt and evolve um, when you're developing the self is very important. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. I mean, I think the the thing that's really standing out to me here that um, when I'm referring to like an ultimate spiritual betrayal is um, that being spiritual does not mean to be submissive. It does not mean to be compliant with everything. Or to mean to be perfect or to be perfect right um and it's absolutely not to be a pushover either absolutely and i think that that's um the first betrayal that i think stings the most on the spiritual path um is when we are doing our best intention to say spirituality is about self-growth um and i mean that's that's a i I really believe that spirituality Mm -hmm. has a lot to with Mm self-growth and we do so much to, to grow on our own and then people look at us and they say, 
oh, what, you're gonna you're gonna behave like that and mm-hmm. you're trying to say you're a spiritual person? How is that you how is that being spiritual? Right. My word. For one, like <laughs> they that person clearly has some work of their own to do if they're gonna make a comment like that. And two, it's a process. Being in the spiritual path is an intention. Right. It's an intention of a direction you're walking in. That doesn't mean that everybody else around you knows what's right. Exactly. They don't. And that doesn't mean that when somebody says, well, if you're a spiritual person, why aren't you going and doing all these things for me when I'm having a hard time? That's not your job. Mm. That is that is a service that you can offer. That is a thing you can kindly provide. It's sure. not your job to take care of everybody else in the world. It's your job to focus on your own growth. Right. And through your own growth, you'll notice that reaching out to others helps you grow. When Absolutely. reaching out is helping your own growth, it helps their growth, it helps other people. It's a fantastic thing. Other people shouldn't be ripping you down, pretending like that's doing you good. Yes, yes. I think that's definitely a really good point. Um, when people utilize spirituality as a way of manipulating their own agenda, and it happens so often, and that's why I think spirituality or spiritual growth it just it's become a very hazy thing and it's often i think people like to guilt trip other people into um, behaving the way they should or you're not spiritual it's almost like you're really weaponizing that terminology which is kind of why some people are moving away from that but it should be about um it really i mean i understand pushing aside the ego and really being able to hear other people because it takes a lot of Um, self-reflection being able to look outside of yourself to grow past some of the things that we do need to overcome and relationships and other people can really help kind of mirror back to us our shadows and those things are great but there's never a time where someone depleting you and demeaning you and manipulating you is part of you know any kind of support that's never something to kind of I guess be submissive to that's right and i guess that's a good point then kind of reverting from that to understanding how um being empowered in your spirituality as opposed to being just a good guy or just you know being a pushover kindness is such an important thing but that includes being able to uphold and and really i guess standing for what you believe in as well and that doesn't mean injuring other people it just means that you are able to set boundaries and you're able to i guess uphold the right to your safety in your space and that's acceptable and you are human it's not our spiritual growth is not to make us inhuman it's to make us as human as possible in fact i think to help us experience the life we're here to experience right there's a a quote that comes to mind um and I wish I knew the exact person who said it. This is a quote that uh, Sri Dayamada, she is one of the um, original ha- uh, heads and nuns from Self-Realization Fellowship. Uh, it was from Paramahansa Yogananda's path. Um, and so Sri Dayamada, uh, it was a quote she used. Again, she's not the one who originally said it. Uh, she pulled it from somewhere. So if you want to look it up, please do. Mm-hmm. But uh, the quote was, accept blame, criticism, and accusation silently and without retaliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really powerful quote and it's what gets us into this problem, but there's there's another part of this we miss. So again, it was accept blame, 
criticism, and accusation, silently and without retaliation. That's what helps us grow mm -hmm. because we accept it, we take it in, we learn from it. However, there's a catch. There's another part. Diama herself says this. Um, <laughs> she says, then in your time, in your own time, you don't react, you don't respond right away, you don't need to act out about this. But then in your own time, you reflect and you say, is that true? Is there a grain of truth in this? And then you, you start to sift through it. You know, you sift through what's said and you look and you say, well, if you find even the smallest fleck of truth, work with that truth and grow from it. Absolutely. But if the rest of it is just sand, just yeah. let it fall through yeah. and, and don't hold on to that. But, you know, you got to accept it first so you can grow from it. And you you don't need to to agree with everybody right away. You can just listen to it and say, okay, I hear what you had to say, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna spend some time thinking about that. Absolutely. And that's okay, you don't have to don't know right then. You can delay and give yourself that time. Say, okay, I'm gonna spend some time with that and I'll think about it. I don't know if I agree, but I'm definitely gonna, I'll think about that, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that comes in, in line with having a healthy ego, because I think that's another um, falseness that people come to when they're on a spiritual path where they believe that it's really just about eradicating the ego when really it's more so about developing a healthy ego that isn't imbalanced because sometimes people pleasing is actually a bad use of the ego as well because it's still manipulative it's really not serving the self in your personal growth because you're still going to be putting other people um, before yourself and your own personal growth so I think that that is that's definitely one of those pitfalls and that's a, that's actually another way we betray ourselves is when we we become we come to being at the mercy of other people and when you stop being accountable for your actions and you stop having that sovereignty in your own life where you are just doing what other people are doing you stop feeling responsibility for your choices and that doesn't give you as you become you know, you kind of use it as a scapegoat to get away with stuff. Well, everybody else is doing it. That's not really being empowered and that isn't being spiritual. Right. That's not using your discernment. Right. Well, and I think that that, that discernment is what the, the gem that can really move us forward here. I mean, mm -hmm. we've talked about what the self is. We talked about what betrayal is. But betrayal is sometimes a good thing. And I'm not like trying to be like, hey, pro Judas, but um, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that, that notion aside, um, betrayal has a, a good spot. And, um, and that discernment is key here because having a high level of discernment really matters. Mm. Um, do you want me to jump into this one or do you have yeah, something to say? Yeah, I'm interested okay. to hear what you have to say about that. Okay, so the ego is a liar. Um, the ego is a big liar. It wants to lie to you because it wants to keep you safe and well. Here's the difference. Ego doesn't always know what's the best for you. It knows what makes you feel better and makes pain stop sometimes. Mm. The ego knows how to make you go back to the things you want to do. Psychologically, I think it's like a five or seven seconds that you have after something happens to you to make a new choice. And if you don't make a new choice during the five or seven seconds, your ego just makes the choice for you to be the thing that's like the least resistant. Um, and sometimes that's not a healthy choice. It's a bad choice for you, but it's what you'll do. Mm. Um, so you have a very small window. But um, if you're gonna betray something, betray the ego's habits, betray the self that is trying to convince you to do the things you don't want to do. Mm. Part of you is going to say, oh, I should just be lazy all day and do nothing. Uh, betray that. 
Um, you or know, sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's the betrayal of working too much and precisely. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need to do both, and that's Absolutely. where that's the deception. Mm-hmm. Is that even um, so? I'm somebody who suffers with um, extreme depression, anxiety issues, and I have to work with it a lot. So when I'm talking into this, I'm not trying to condescend to anybody. Um, I'm sharing this because I think it matters right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even on days where it's difficult to get up and do anything yeah and it can be that hard and that painful i i do get that i'm not everybody else who's out there i know we all have our own struggles mm-hmm. um even on those days if you were to sit there and just listen to that the entire day mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to get out of that depression and i believe me i know to at least some extent there are days where moving alone, speaking, making any sound is nearly impossible. And that's where mm-hmm. all that extra effort needs to come in. And we don't have the effort to give to begin with. But you need to betray that part of the ego that says give up. Mm-hmm. You need to betray that part of the ego that's lying to you. Because um, it's trying to lie to you. It's trying to give you the easiest way out. And sometimes the easy way out is right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what, what you were just saying a moment ago, is that if you're overworking yourself, yeah lay down take a bubble bath but like you know take the easy way sometimes but there's times we need to betray that in both directions we need to betray the habits we need to betray the ego's tendency to only look outward if it were up to our ego alone it doesn't want to die see this is the thing i learned this in some of my monastic training the ego wants to live as long as it can here's the thing do you think we should come up with I don't know, not to cut you off. I feel like the ego, like the negative side that prevents us should have a different name than just the ego. Um, St. Francis renamed it, um, but then he it? renamed it twice. St. Francis, uh, you can see I'm just bouncing around the entire world here with my references. But um, so St. Francis named uh, his, he changed it by the way. He started by naming it Brother Ass. He referred to his body as like, as like a donkey or a mule that would just carry things along and was just a tool to like a, a living vessel tool, not like an abusive thing, but like in this living vessel tool to, to move through the world. Mm. And so we really separated from it and we condescended it to an extent. Um, and then eventually he renamed it Brother Body because he learned that you can actually sometimes use the body to lean into that to help you through things. See, that's where I think that it gets so confusing with people with, you know, the ego. The ego is necessary. We need the healthy ego to, to reign supreme. Mm-hmm. We need to repress that that betrayal that ego that really is just there to betray you and kind Mm -hmm. of like keep you stuck Mm -hmm. where you feel is your comfort zone and that comfort zone may be feeling like shit all the time you want to betray that right yeah yeah i mean um, just so that that we know uh, as i'm really saying here that i don't think the ego is totally all bad and i know i'm speaking pretty poorly of it um but if i were to want to show compassion to another person and that other person was not so highly spiritually evolved that they're seeing deities walking around all the time um, that you know you can't just appear to them in some ethereal form to give them comfort. No, you, you need to approach them as an egoic body in your body to go to mm. them, to hold them, to be close to them, to speak to them with voice that they can hear. Yeah. Um, the ego lets you connect with other humans around you. Yes. And that is a beautiful, amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not all bad. This is his ass twin. That's. 
<laughs> and we all got that ass twin in us so that destroys things. <laughs> yeah. So the, the other time I think that we'd want to betray the egos if we're changing the direction in our life. We mm-hmm. talked earlier about how right now some of us are getting forced to change direction. Mm-hmm. And um, if you had a job you don't like, and you're like, but this is what I know, and this is what I'm going to do, but or I hated that. you're the that. manager, or you're the head of that small thing that you absolutely hate doing. Right. So any of those cases, whether you're laid off from that job or you currently still have it, and you're looking at this and your ego saying, but this is what you, you know how to do, so let's do what you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your higher self, and when I speak of this, it can be through your... Um, intuition it can be through your emotions mm-hmm. um it can be through signs you get in your daily living it be through empathy whatever it is um your higher self can speak into that and kind of be like maybe you don't want this maybe there's something else for you that feels right because you know sometimes you'd be like something about this feels all wrong it doesn't feel good to me something's mm-hmm. off and there's one thing of like it feels off to me because you just got into a fight with a coworker and now you don't want to go back. That's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about inside of you. You know that you're not aligned with what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you have to betray the ego a little bit to say, "Look, ego, I know that this is the path that you think that we should be doing, mm-hmm. but you gotta listen up for a second because, look, honey, we're listening right. <laughs> this isn't this isn't gonna get us to a healthy place. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to do is is sometimes chip away at the ego yeah to make those changes to really blossom and grow yeah very well said Mm. very well said um so why why are we betraying the ego i think that that's a big thing here why why do we betray our ego well everything that i think we're conditioned to do is for our best interest and sometimes what we've learned in our youth we learn from people that didn't have our best interests in mind. And that's not always intentionally to harm us, but it did get ingrained within our mind and became a wired system. And so um, sometimes what is happening when we betray ourselves is we're trying to keep ourselves safe. And we may not consciously realize we're betraying ourselves. And that's why a lot of the shadow work that I was talking about earlier on it's really hard to kind of face what we've been doing because it's so easy to play victim and blame the world um and sometimes we are victims though that really doesn't excuse people's behaviors but a lot of times our reactions are just to keep us where we're at because we feel we're so depleted that our our ego we can say the ass ego (laughs) i love how this is the term now (laughs) The ass ego steps in and he's actually your friend. He thinks he is, but he's not, you know. Um, But it's trying to keep you from moving because it believes that you're too weak and you're too depleted because somewhere down the line or, you know, fill in the blank, somewhere down the line, we found that this was the best survival coping mechanism that we had. And it's really hard to reverse those ingrained thoughts. But as we get older, we have discernment. And this is why we did refer to that idea. You have discernment and you have to look at your life. And we get so busy in our lives that we're kind of just going with the flow like we're talking about earlier. Um, We don't realize how unhappy we are until we have a moment to reflect or until it's taken away from us. So some of these things are actually kind of a blessing in disguise. And it just so happens that this year we've been put in situations that 
probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. So it's kind of, for some people, this is a really good time for them to really look at their lives and decide, you know, whether or not the path that they're on works for them. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's true of your job. Like you said, like everybody would prefer to have, you know, a decent, all, all people want is a decent paying job. They want, you know, to be able to survive and live the life that they want and have food, you know, at the very minimal. But, you know, when you're, all you can do is meet your own needs. You don't actually look at your desires or what you possibly may have wanted to do instead because you're trying to be responsible. That's one form of betraying yourself. Right. Or even just the tension that has been happening with, you know, people are worried about their lives or things are being, you know, so unpredictable that marriages that weren't working have had tension that has forced them to kind of make decisions. Or you're looking at your day to day and you're feeling miserable, even though you're not really even doing any of the things. Maybe you were blaming everybody else for the way that you were feeling, but now you're stuck home alone and you're still miserable. And maybe it isn't everybody else's fault. Maybe you don't have the tools you need, or maybe you're not taking the action you need to, to develop yourself and make the life you want. But I do think that these were all habits. We didn't decide to betray ourselves but we we are deciding to ignore it if you're identifying that it's causing suffering. One thing I really love and what I'm hearing you say is that the term self has merged back together and we've so far really been fragmenting the term self into these three different categories. Mm. The idea of the, the egoic self and the higher self just merged there. Yeah. That when we're betraying a part of ourself, we can be betraying multiple parts of ourselves. We can be betraying both our sensory bound self going through everyday life and simultaneously be betraying our higher self that's looking out for our best interest, that's attuning to others, is more empathetic. We can betray both simultaneously. And in those examples you gave, it really shows how sometimes we are psychologically conditioned from childhood yeah. to have habits ways of thinking, ways of um, behaving and, and just going through our, our everyday life that we don't really question because we've only ever known that way. Yeah. Um, we only have one body, one sense of self to work from. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be very limiting in the, the way of how do I know I'm doing this wrong? How do I know something else will be better? You had one childhood to work from, so how do you uncondition that? And we don't know we're doing things. And I think that that's where I don't think you can say you're the one betraying yourself at that point. I would mm. say that that's where I like to make the separation of your actions are betraying you, mm. your habits are betraying you, your preconditioning is betraying you, but are you betraying yourself? I think when you're aware of it, once you're aware of it, now you're doing it yourself, now you're, now <laughs> you're betraying yourself, but otherwise sure. it's okay to slightly detach from that and say, no, those were my actions, but I wasn't aware I was doing those actions. Now you're aware, so you can't use that excuse ever again. It's done. It's permanently You've off the table. You've listened to this. Now it's your fault. Right. Now it's your fault from now on. Um, but, you know, it's that idea that, like, until you have awareness of a thing, even though you're the one doing it, you were conditioned to to be that way. And um, I think that is a great reason of why, why do we do this. Mm. Um, and, and it gives a great like reflection to make you not feel like you are your own enemy. I think this is the problem is that we do fragment ourselves. We want to detach from the things we do that aren't great. But 
this is part of the issue is that as long as you continue to fight yourself, you're not going to be able to make peace with that aspect of yourself integrated and then start using it and working together in a way that works towards everybody's best interest or adjusting things mm -hmm. you know you can't do that if you're at war with yourself yeah that's definitely an integration process that's mm -hmm. you know looking at the parts of ourselves we don't like the parts of stuff we do like removing that sense of judgment um a lot of times accepting what we, where we're at yeah. yeah a lot of times what we like or don't like is based on our societal taboos and our norms yeah um if we were in a different culture in a different part of the world you might not have an issue with that it might be a great thing if you were around a different group of people they might say this is really positive yeah um the way that um, i was taught how to discern if something is good or bad um wasn't based on taboo it was um good is that which leads you away from suffering bad is that which leads you to suffering mm. so if you have parts of you you're like oh this part's bad well, is it actually leading you to suffering or is it just a part of you that you're a little bit less comfortable with? Right. Because it might actually be something that is very insightful, very helpful, mm. maybe a little scary, mm. but scary is not leading you to suffering. It's maybe leading you to feeling empowered or maybe you're a part of you that you're afraid of because you've never stepped into a place of courage, power, authority. Maybe mm. it's a part you're afraid of because you've never been willing to be weak or vulnerable or feel your emotions. Or vice versa. Maybe you've never been in a situation where you were able to feel strong or <clears throat> feel powerful or loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that that's the integration process. Um, one other part of betraying the self that I... I personally would love to talk into, and um, I can only imagine what you have to say on this, but um, there's that idea of how do you betray the greater self, that the, how do you betray spirit or divine mother or the universe? How do you betray that? And um, you can't, um, <laughs> you can't. Uh, so this was from my monastic training. I had kind of, my guru was a little bit gully um, in the <laughs> sense that like he, he was okay with speaking back into things. Mm -hmm. um, I loved his relationship with uh, Divine Mother. So um, I studied from uh, Yogananda um, and through some of his direct disciples and indirect disciples over time mm -hmm. um, from living in the ashram. And then, um, so these are our monks and nuns that I was learning from along with other people who just were studying the path. Um, and um, it was fun the way he would say this, I enjoyed it. Um, so if, if you were to go to Divine Mother and say to her, you, she sits there and she looks at what you did wrong. You, you said you did something wrong. Okay, so let's just break this down for a second. She made you, right? So you, the universe became you. Spirit became you. And you're a small fraction of that. That means 100% of what you are is her or spirit or that. So. Um, I like to use the term Divine Mother, it's just more comfortable for me. But um, so if 100% of you is Divine Mother, then how is it your fault? Is she not the one who did this? Is she not the one who set up the conditions? Did she not put these people into your life? Mm. If she was the doer, well then how are you going to betray her? She, there was nowhere to betray. All of it was her and all of it wasn't her she was on both sides of the coin mm. she's just growing and learning through you you're just growing and learning and she's watching so when people say oh but god's gonna punish me or um the universe doesn't like that or the spirit wouldn't do this or a spiritual a spiritual person wouldn't be like that um then what else are they gonna be <laughs> because if 100 percent of the universe 
is is the universe is spirit mm. then how are you going to betray that you can't so in the ultimate sense betrayal is a human condition it is a state of mind it is a state of emotion it is a state that goes towards our goals our beliefs our desires um it can betray order you can do harm to others you can um, do harm to yourself all these things can be a thing in the context of manifested creation manifested creation includes the spirit realm it includes the physical realm it includes your emotions um even though they may not be tangible they're still manifest the unmanifest is that which exists beyond time and space everything is happening all at once yeah all concepts all notions all everything one place mm -hmm. one spot all at once you can't betray the unmanifest and that's what i would consider as the divine mm. so um, there's a lot of guilt that people carry around with this and they have a hard time going back to say, how do I speak to God after I've done this? How can I face the Lord after this? How can I face, you know, spirit after she was there the whole time watching. I don't know if you're aware <laughs> of that. And she was there when every condition happened in your life that taught you to behave that way. It was the conditions in your life that led you to make that decision. You made the best possible decision you could at that time. Right. Given all the experiences you had, all the knowledge you had, you made a decision, all the emotions you had, you made a decision. It was the best decision you could at the time. Even if you look back, you're like, oh, that wasn't a good decision. At the time, it was the best decision that you came up with. And by all means, the spirit already knows that. Divine Mother knows that. So to go to her and be like, oh, how do I approach her? She ain't mad. She's good. She, she set the stage grow from it learn from it talk to her about it if you're upset about it whatever it is but um that don't don't feel guilty about these things when it comes to going to divine mother guilt yeah. is a human condition if yeah. you hurt your friend and you want to feel guilty about that and that helps you get over that hurting of your friend spend that time with your friend and discuss it with them because they may feel that hurt the divine's not going to feel hurt from those same things right it doesn't affect who you are in spirit I guess that's such a, a great reflection back to understanding that these are just actions like we were talking before, even these actions, even though they may be misled, they're just actions that can be shifted. They don't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you unworthy. It doesn't make you um, rejected by the universe or God or anything like that. It doesn't make you evil and you're exited out and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is a really good point to not, to really understand that you are not your actions. Those actions can still cause some sort of harm, but at, these are why we experience these emotions. And you know, when you feel angry or you feel sad, these emotions are here to guide you and kind of move you towards where you need to be. So They're meant to be compasses. So I'm going to ask you a personal question here. Um, for you, how does it feel? What is the the feeling? The well, we can say it's emotion. Maybe it's beyond emotion. Um, but how does it feel when you've realized you betrayed yourself, or while you are betraying yourself? How does that process for you? I think um, for me, there's a sense of disappointment. I think um, sometimes there's a sense of fear. I think sometimes when you betray yourself, if you're unaware of that, um, that can be scary for some people when you're not making the right decisions and you feel like you're not sure whether where you've made the wrong decisions. And it does cause 
This is, this is the biggest reason why we need to pay attention when we don't feel right about certain things. And we start to pick up on these habits and identify when and where, because you stop trusting yourself to make the right decisions on your, on your behalf for your better good. And obviously the most important relationship you're ever going to have is with yourself. So there is a disappointment and it does make me feel fractured inside thinking that there's an aspect of me that may be intentionally harming myself. But I do think that that as we go back to what we just said, I think that is just like the child mind and looking at it and not from a bigger picture, not from outside the box. I think understanding that these things are not like you are not there to harm yourself. You're doing what you've been taught and understanding that it's even that was in its best intention and it's your job. You do have the ability to control and perhaps change some of these bad habits and replace them with things that actually work on your behalf. But it is about spending a lot of time with that relationship with the self, with learning that and actually creating the environment, the inner environment you need to kind of move forward. But to me, I think that, yeah, those things kind of describe my personal experience with that. And I think there is a little bit of guilt with that or shame. You don't want to, you know, feel like you don't, you're not capable of having control over those things. But there isn't, there shouldn't be, and I can't tell you how to feel, but it's good to know that it's not uncommon. It's part of the process of evolving out of the things that don't work for you. In fact, sometimes those things are actually showing you that you've grown past them and they're ready to be changed. How about you? How do you feel? Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I, I think that that's a really beautiful reflection you had on your own experience. Um, and there, there's a lot of layers in that. Uh, in terms of my own, when my own experience from when I betray my own self, um, I feel there's a sense of disorientation a sense of being lost. Mm. Um, there's a lot of confusion that happens because I think that one part of the self looks at the other part and says, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> and that means that the part of you feels out of the loop. For part of me, I shouldn't say you. I, we're talking about me here. So part of me feels out of the loop um, when that takes place because it's that self-betrayal is something that one part of yourself has to betray another part of the self. So that means that a part of me was just left completely out of this conversation <laughs> um or at least out of the decision making and and it 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 kind of stings a little bit and it breaks trust within my own self and it puts me into a hyper reflective state mm. um where i'm really spending time with whatever took place mm. um because I'm trying to understand it. Uh, to me, it becomes a big puzzle. My mind is very analytical, so I try to break down what the heck just happened, why did this happen? It becomes very reflective. Mm. Um, and the emotions aren't good for that. And, and unfortunately, um, for me, my emotions are very powerful and overwhelming very easily. So it can spiral out of control really fast with a sense of guilt, with a sense of... Um, feeling bad about like did I hurt somebody else feeling like I might not be good enough um feeling like how am I ever going to surmount the things that I wanted to do mm. the feeling of maybe giving up that like well maybe I should set my bar a little bit lower maybe yeah. I'm taking on too much 
it becomes um, disempowering. Definitely. And it's very interesting how you, how I would betray myself because I'm trying to look out for myself, but then I ended up disempowering me. It's this sense of like, I did it because the time it seemed right. And then the awareness sets in because you don't have the awareness. Again, you make the best decision you can at the time. And then the awareness sets in later and you're like, oh, okay. Well, now how do I face this? And it hurts. And then I feel for me, I can start to feel better when I come up with a solution for next time. Mm. When I know, well, if this happens again, I want to go here. I would do this. I want to do that. And it's not, I would do this if it happened again. It's, yeah. I would do this when it happens the next time. Yeah. I cannot be stuck in the past saying, oh, what if, what if, what if? No, it's that happened. But if in the future this does come up, mm. I can trust myself to make a better decision. And I think that's how you get out, how I get myself out of that. Definitely. Um, but it feels not good. No, it's really hard to come back from that, I think, because it's not something you can even... You know, even though some external people could influence some of these experiences, it really is something that you have to kind of go through on your own. Like it is an internal experience because you can't escape yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, you were, I think, what is it the saying goes, um, hindsight vision is twenty twenty. Like it's, it's, a, it's important to collect data. And that's what these experiences are supposed to do. They are guiding you and there is something to be reflected on. And I think in the moments, it's such a great, I guess, uh, reflection is that it's really hard to do in those moments. And sometimes you have to wait till you, you're done processing what just happened or your feelings and emotions. But it is important to not let these experiences go to waste because you're collecting data not to just not apply the information you've learned. Um, you have to apply that to the next experience. You can shape and make better choices, I guess. Um, and data points are important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Um, there was a talk I had recently that uh, kind of brings us to another point. Um, and it was a talk about grit and this idea of, um, in the ashram we would say willpower. Mm. Um, but grit is, I guess, similar. It's about working towards a passion and like let it pushing yourself through and persevering through hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is the tricky spot where um, self betrayal comes in. And I think it's a it's a giant lie and a fallacy about how this works because I think it's um, conditioned. We talked about the conditioning we have from childhood. Mm-hmm. It's not just childhood; it's from society. Um, I personally briefly lived in Japan. Um, I've lived in India, uh, and currently I live in the United States. I grew up in the United States. Um, Japan and uh, United States, I can definitely say, have issues with grit. And that's mm-hmm. that idea that just work harder, keep working, keep pushing through, keep, you know, you'll just get where you want to go if you just work hard enough. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's always healthy. Um, as a teacher, um, when this topic's come up with my students, um, particularly, uh, my students who have are first generation Asian American, so their their parents are from Asian cultures, and my students who are African, like mm-hmm. they're they're first generation from uh, Africa, mm-hmm. so they're uh, African American. Um, they particularly say that this is a cultural thing that they face is that idea of like, no, you need to keep working, you need to try really hard, you need to keep pushing through to accomplish these goals, um, and 
that tolerance for maybe the emotional needs, the tolerance for um, for one's uh, own interests, I guess you could say, like their yeah. own desires to like the where do they want their life to go, yeah. doesn't always come up. Um, and I'm, I mean, the, the reference is a culture. I just hit like cultures around the world here: the U, the U.S., Africa, Asia. Um, I know in Europe, you'll see this in certain countries, not all of them to the same extent. Mm. Um, I'm sure other people can think of plenty other places, but, um, it's, it's a chronic issue that we're really facing that our culture teaches us just keep pushing and that can be good and bad. Um, willpower is important, Yes. but you don't always want to push. I mean, can you think of times where maybe that willpower is good and times where it's bad to keep pushing through i mean i heard um like this is very it's the dominant thing in america too where it's this idea even though we we don't have the same i think dedication i think as some of these other cultures do we do have the workmen workhorse shall i say mentality where you will you find some sort of sense of pride of overworking yourself with little self-care and that is ingrained from times of like the industrial revolution and even somewhat slavery Definitely. where it was something that they were promoting and kind of sharing and it is a mentality that people are well i don't i don't agree with being proud of i think it's great to feel that you've put in all the work <clears throat> you can and really you know hustle for what you want but I don't think it's something to be, um, I guess, proud of if it depletes you as a human, depletes your family. And I think that's the problem is we haven't learned what a good balance and a good sense of like, I guess, wellness is. And we really do need to start paying more attention to that. Right. And I think that that's where the, the line is really looking to be drawn is on wellness. It's mm-hmm. um, So if, you're, if your goal, if your personal goal is to uh, get some kind of career and you're now in college and you have some assignments and you don't want to do them mm-hmm. you, you do the assignments right you got to push that's through and different. you do it because it's <laughs> moving you towards your goal and this is something you're self-selecting if and somebody... that's like time that's more time management problems as opposed right. to like mm-hmm. and if somebody else is imposing that career and that goal upon you then maybe you don't need pushing as hard in that direction maybe you need to put more grit into figuring out what you want to do sure put more perseverance and willpower into figuring out what you want to do so you're not just depleting all your energy in something you don't want Mm. um some key areas where you don't want to be using your willpower though you could Mm. you can absolutely use your willpower anywhere um toxic relationships don't don't put your energy into (laughs) maintaining those um you can let go of a toxic relationship maybe Mm. you pick it up again in the future when it's not so toxic Mm. but don't maintain toxic relationships and don't put your willpower into other people's goals Yes. I mean, if you want to help them accomplish their goals, by all means, pour your energy into helping them accomplish their goals, but yeah. don't make it your own. Or making everybody happy. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely a waste of time because it's not possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think this was a really strong talk. I think that we really covered a lot of stuff with it. Um, were there any key things that, I don't know, that came to mind for you as, like, wrapping this up? I think that... Um, I think it was a really, really well-rounded talk and perhaps it'll it'll inspire people to kind of look at their lives and look at ways that we do betray ourselves. 
um, maybe using these opportunities to kind of reshape that and not seeing it as something to be ashamed of, but an, an opportunity to grow and develop as a person and start putting ourselves first um, and taking responsibility for our lives. Um, how about you? Um, I think that some of the biggest things that are takeaways are like learning to be honest with the self, um, learning to accept those shadow aspects of ourself, mm -hmm. um, learning not to run away from things just because they're hard uh, or because they're uncomfortable, and then also knowing that betrayal is a betrayal within the self. Um, it is a betrayal of one part from the other, so you're shutting a part of you out. Ultimately, also knowing that you can never actually betray the greatest sense of self, the divine self, um, that of the universe, that of spirit, because they were there the entire time. So no matter how bad it's getting, you can still always turn back into that divine relationship and mm. not be afraid to approach that again. Mm. Beautifully said. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you uh, that was a great talk. It was it was awesome. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon. I loved it. This was so fun. Thank okay. you. Okay.